Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Today is Wednesday, November the 1st, 2023. It's episode 178 of the show. More importantly, it is preview day. Preview show, the preview pod. I don't know how you want to phrase it, but looking ahead to Breeders' Cup Friday, call it the preview pod for 2023. Going to go over the Breeders' Cup races that will be run on Friday afternoon here at Santa Anita, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, followed by the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, followed by the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf, followed by the FanDuel Juvenile, and wrapping things up with the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube. If you search Matt Burney or show or Matt Burney or podcast or some version of that, you'll get this episode along with the 177 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, comments, questions, you name it. Beneath the video player on YouTube or direct message on Twitter works as well, at Bernie or underscore Matt. This is a little bit of a different kind of show. I haven't done one of these in many, many moons. But we're going to go through the five Breeders' Cup races on Friday. We'll wrap up the rest of the Breeders' Cup tomorrow night. So I'm going to record a second pod. That'll come Thursday night, looking ahead to Saturday's racing. So these are just going to be the juvenile races. And I will give you sort of tepid picks or tentative picks as i've said in the past i think picks are sort of a antiquated outdated sort of philosophy in terms of gambling because price is really the only thing that matters but we'll give out picks i'll also kind of discuss out loud how i'm plotting out my plays for these five races I have not looked at the undercard, and I don't intend to. And even with these five, we kick off with that juvenile turf sprint. I don't have a ton of conviction in the race, but it does kick off some wagers that I want to get involved in, specifically the pick five and a pick three sequence, but not the all-turf pick three sequence. I tweeted it earlier on Wednesday. It just kills me that this is a bet that's nearly 24% takeout. Part of what makes the Keeneland all-turf pick three so appealing is that it's a combination of $3 minimum, but also the takeout's 15%. It's why it pays as well as it does. $3 minimum, great. 23.68% with the takeout, not nearly as appealing. I got to pay almost $9 more to play this thing for every hundred. I'm, I'm not, it loses a little bit of its juice. So I'm not going to touch on the all turf pick three. For the Saturday show, I'll touch on the all-dirt pick four and the all-turf pick four. Those are 50-cent minimums, but 15% takeout. So I think there are some nice opportunities there. But as far as Friday is concerned, I really am looking at the pick five and then two separate sort of pick three sequences. And those of you that may be new to this pod or you haven't caught me on FanDuel TV, my logic for these multi-race bets, for the most part, some exceptions. The pick five will be an exception here and probably on Saturday as well. But for these pick threes, I'm trying to put together big pick three presses into a specific horse that I like. So I may tier a few horses in the first two legs, but I'm really only going to lean on one for the most part for all intents and purposes in that payoff leg and know that if I'm correct, 
I'm going to get a nice chunk of change back. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I was going to be wrong anyway. If I'm right, I want to take a 10 to 1 shot and turn that horse into a 100 to 1 shot or even better than that. So let's start with the turf sprint. I did not price the race out in terms of a value line just because, again, turf sprints, not my favorite, not my strength. I've gotten better at them, but I, with two-year-olds especially, I just thought it was kind of a, a futile exercise to go through and price it all out. There are five horses that I am sort of tentatively interested in from a pick five sequence. It would be the one Crimson Advocate, the two no-name Mets, the four Big Evs, the seven Shards, and the 11. And the 11's kind of the, the one that I'm planning on leaning on a bit, and that's Slider. Now, Shards would be purely a backup, and not just because of all the folks uh, involved with the the HHH Racing Pod. I know they're involved with Shards. They've got pieces. They're all very excited, rightfully so, this weekend. I, you know, that Indian summer was a complete and utter pace meltdown. That is entirely possible. Again, in this race, there's a ton of gas, and there's a lot of it down to the inside. But I just think at 5'8", it's a different game at Santa Anita. So Shards, I'm using him defensively. He's probably a B or a C. And the way that I usually go about these, I only play mains and backups. Breeders' Cup might be a bit of an exception where I do play a proper ABC. Um, but Shards, I can safely say, is a backup. Sort of, in case of emergency, break glass. Slider's going to be an A. And I think Slider's going to be my pick in here for John Sadler. Hector Berrios has got them out. 8-1 to one on the morning line. If you haven't watched the speakeasy, I know the speed figures really across the board suggest that he ran slower that day. And I, you know, I don't have an issue with that. If you watch the tape, though, he's up on the lead, and he basically blows the turn. He kind of loses his focus. You see his ears go up, and you see Berrios really trying to get him back on track. It leaves the rail wide open for Dark Vintage. Dark Vintage comes up on through, and going 5.8s, you would think at that point, foregone conclusion, that Dark Vintage is going to go on and win. Instead, Slider kind of gets his shit together, ties his head back on, and rallies. And not only wins, but wins geared down. Going 5.8s, he's going to need to be much more complete here in this spot. Breaking from the outside is no bargain either. But I like that he's got speed. I think he's got proper speed. But he's also shown, when he broke his maiden, that he is capable of sitting off of a target. So if you think that those horses down to the inside, Crimson Advocate and No Name Mets, specifically No Name Mets, they're just going to step on the gas and go. Well, you know, Slider's at least shown that he can sit. Now, is he going to blow the turn again? I have no idea, but how do you project that? He did it one time. He's a two-year-old. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. At 8-1, to one, he is a main for me, and he will be the air quotes pick. The other mains in here would be the two no-name Mets, who I think a combination of speed and form. I think he is the speed of the speed, and the form, you know, that field in the Rosies has come back quite good. Um, Air Recruit came back and improved his buyer by 12 points next out. You're going to hear that name again a little bit later on. And then the fourth, seventh, and ninth place finishers all jumped up by 11, 12, and 41 buyer points in their next start, two of those being next out winners. So I, I think no-name Mets is the most likely winner of this race. Um, Crimson Advocate, I guess I could see myself making the change from a backup to a main. I don't love the time away. Uh, I also don't think he's going to make the lead. And if he doesn't, he's going to need to show a new dimension here to win this race on Friday. At 4-1, to one, I just think the two is a better play. And then Big Evs, you know, 
the most the run two back in the Nunthorpe at five to one, it looks like it was a disaster beaten by eight lengths. And not great, don't get me wrong. But the Nunthorpe is one of the rare races that is two year olds and up. So he took on older horses. Not only did he take on older horses, he took on Live in the Dream, Highfield Princess, and Brad Cell. Two of those horses are going to be among the choices in the turf sprint on Saturday. And Highfield Princess was one of the choices in the race last year at Keeneland. So I, this horse just makes plenty of sense from the form lines, from the figures that he's earned. You know, thoroughgraph he earned a six and three quarters for that win in the Flying Childers. Um, Childers, Childers, I don't know how you want to say that. I think he's going to appreciate firm ground. I, I'm not terribly concerned about that. I think he makes a lot of sense in here. So those are the five that I'm looking at. I'm probably going to press up the two and the 11 in some scenario. Well, I guess the four, two, two, four, 11, and then the one and the seven tentatively backups. I may move Crimson Advocate up to a main, especially from a pick five standpoint. From a pick three standpoint, I am more interested in being a little bit more decisive and pressing hard to get alive to that horse in the third leg of the sequence, which we'll touch on in a little bit. Now, race number six on Friday, it is the Juvenile Phillies, mile 16th main track. I will go through the field. I will give you my value line, my fair odds price, and then we'll talk about some of the runners in here. Candied, 5-1. to one. Jody's Pride, 8-1. to one. Scalable, 30-1. to one. Where's My Ring, 99-1. to one. Omaha Girl, 99-1. to one. Chitalis, Chatalis, 15 to 1. Tamara, 2 to 1. Esprit Enchanté, 15 to 1. Brightwork, 13 to 1. Accommodate Ava, 50 to 1. Life Talk, 30 to 1. Just FYI, 12 to 1. Alice Beach, 30 to 1. Uh, some of you may be hearing the numbers, and if you really truly go through and do the math in your head, you're going to say you're probably over by a couple points. I have got to the point where when I do this, in this format, this version, audio-wise, I'm not going to go 32 to 1 instead of 30 to 1. I'm just going to round, basically like a morning line. And I, I, shouldn't even say, I shouldn't even say it that way. Round numbers are easier, and, and you know I've had people ask me, like, what's the difference between 24 to 1 and 25 to 1? Well, 25 to 1 is just a little bit more, I, I don't know. I just think it's more straightforward than really splitting hairs and getting into the weeds there. So trust me when I say these lines add up to 100 points. I'm just rounding the numbers to make them a little bit more digestible. Tamara. I mean, her first two starts have been awesome. I She's got to go out to two turns, which on pedigree, that is not an issue. It shouldn't be an issue anyway. I think, I think she's going to be overbet. But I also think she's very clearly the most likely winner of the race. So she, from a pick five standpoint, I'm going to be using as an A. I'm I'm torn on the pick three. And we'll talk about it more when we get to the next race and the horse that I want to be alive into. The one candied, you know, I was at Keeneland for the win in the Alcibiades. I think she's still learning. I think she's a little bit goofy. She never changed leads. She's looking around at the grandstand. I kind of feel like she's a horse that's going to do better both with more distance and with more racing. She's got a break from the rail, and I just don't 
totally know that the trip is going to be ideal for her here. I respect her. She's got the figs. She's got the connections. I'm going to use her as a backup. But again, maybe tweaking that a little bit. I'm not picking Candied. I'm not picking Tambora. I am picking the two, Jody's Pride. Now, Jody's Pride may not want to go this far, although the pedigree says that shouldn't be an issue. Jody's Pride may want turf, although the first two starts that were taken off the turf and run on the main track, both are pretty damn good to me. You keep Pratt aboard. You know, the Breeders' Cup is one of those race meets or, you know, weekends that I, the difference in the rider is going to make, I think, a minimal difference. You've got the best riders in the world here. You, you, it's not like you're going to get some kind of a butcher job out there. Jody's pride, though, the way that this filly has won each of the first two starts, I I do love everything about him. Um, I think she's going to get lost in the shuffle. And and as far as the, the race shape is concerned, she's speed nearest the rail. She's faster than Candied. She's faster than Scalable. She's faster than Where's My Ring. Omaha Girl, maybe, but I still think the two is faster on the stretch out. Chattelis, you know, some of the figs are would suggest that she's very fast, but I, I don't know that I believe wholeheartedly that she's as fast as the two. Tamara has pace figs that are fast enough to make the front. I don't think they're going to do that, though. I think they would love it if the two went and they'd sit just off. And that's when I would get excited because it's not that Tamara can't win from that position, but I think that's the most likely scenario in which Jody's pride can win. So I'm taking a shot with the two. 15 to 1 on the morning line. I made Jody's pride 8 to 1. She's going to be my pick. She is certainly a main play as far as the A's are concerned in multi-race bets. Now, this is a race that things get a little interesting in. The Juvenile Phillies Turf. <clears throat> the prices. My fair odds. Buttercream Babe, 99 to 1. Flattery, 99 to 1. Buku, 8 to 1. Lawn, 12 to 1. Content, 25 to 1. I know that sounds crazy for O'Brien and more, but I, I, I don't love that horse. If she wins, I'll say, Aiden, you did it again. Uh, Porta Fortuna, eight to one. Gallibrand, fifty to one. Life's inaudible, thirteen to one. Carla's Way, eight to one. Austere, eight to one. She feels pretty, six to one. Hard to justify, ten to one. Dreamfire, ninety-nine to one. Le Pavots, Pavo, Le Pavo. I don't know how you want to say it. Ten to one. In terms of multis, I have 3, 4, 6, 10, 11, 12. The 3 is Buku. The 4 is Lawn. The 6 is Porta Fortuna. The 10 is Austere. The 11 is She Feels Pretty. And the 12 is hard to justify. Now, I probably do need to add in Carla's Way. I just thought Carla's Way had such an ideal trip in that Rockfell. The fig is fast across the board. The time form rating, the thoroughgraph rating. She's also run into two fields with six horses. And she's not going to, obviously, she's not getting that. She's getting a full field that she got to deal with on Friday. So maybe I end up adding her as well. But I'm debating on how to sort of stack up the A's and the, the backups. But the main, the pick, and the horse that I'm trying to get alive to in pick threes and I'm just trying to figure out how to go about waiting it all, is the 10, Austere. Now, Austere's debut I thought was really strong, going two turns. Fig came back a little bit light. 
a lot light on the buyer scale, but I think that number is probably a little bit too low. Then you go to the Kentucky Downs race that she won, and she wins by more than three or by three lengths. I love the way she finishes, especially given the configuration, the way everything goes that day. It may not, when you just look at the chart and you see the finished positions of the horses that came out of that race behind her, you look at it and you go, well, there's probably not much in there. I think they've run fourth and seventh and eighth. Doesn't sound very good. But the figures all either match up or they've come back to run faster. Second and third place finishers. 72 from a 72, 72 from a 71. The sixth and seventh place finishers came back and improved their figures by 12 and 13 points in their next start. I'm not sitting here saying that Austere is going to go out there and run a 90 buyer on Friday. But I don't think she's that far behind some of the main players in here. She got a 10 on thoroughgraph. The 78 buyer, I think, could be 5, maybe 10 on the light side. But if that gets me into a low 80, mid 80, man, she looks a lot fresher on paper at that point, doesn't she? She's 12 to 1 online. I made her 8 to 1. Now, the question really becomes, how am I going to get alive to her? Or how do I want to structure the tickets to try to get alive to her? Because an easy way to go about doing this is, I think this is one where it's probably going to be more a matter of, if Tamara wins, it automatically kills most of these prices, if we're being honest. doesn't mean they can't pay, but especially in a pick three, everyone's going to have that horse for the most part. So if she wins, realistically, I'd need to catch something in the first leg. But if you just want to use the morning lines as a guide and take the likelihood of each of these horses winning, let's say Big Evs wins the first race, that's about a 25% chance of winning. Uh, let's say Tamara wins the second race, the second leg of the sequence, four to five, call that 60% of the time she wins. 25 0.25 by 0.6, that gets you to 0.15. And then if we just want to use the morning line price for austere, that's, where are we? That's 12, call it 0.08. So that's basically a 100 to 1 shot. That scenario, Big Evs, Tamara, austere which I can't really complain about, but I don't know that I look at Austere and think, and this is going to sound very greedy, but I think this is a... Just as I was about to say that, my wife FaceTimed. I should have just left it. Complete cliffhanger. I don't mean left the phone call. I shouldn't have even addressed what it was. Cliffhanger, move on. So people wonder what the hell I was bitching about. Um, but I don't know that I look at Austere and think that 100 to 1 on a $20 pick three is what I'm looking for. Two grand, better than a stick in the eye. Don't get me wrong. But this is this sort of weekend that I think you're supposed to be a little bit bold. You're supposed to look at it and be like, you know what? I'm swinging for the fences. A good weekend anywhere, if you're ahead a little bit, great. But to me, there are only a handful of weekends that you have an opportunity to make a year-changing kind of score. And in some instances, maybe a life-changing score. So with an austere, I guess it really boils down to 
Well, no, that doesn't make sense. I was going to say, do you just get rid of Tamara and know that if she wins, you lose it all? And then maybe you allot that money that you would have tied up in that sort of those numbers elsewhere and really try to just pound the thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking in circles, but you can see where my head kind of is. Hopefully some of you understand the point that I'm trying to make. I'm not doing so well, but I, I want to get alive for, for big numbers. And the Tamara race kind of throws a monkey wrench into it unless she loses. And if she loses, you still need to have the right horses. If she loses and you're alive for $20 and a pick three to us there, all of a sudden it's coming back 20 grand. That's what I'm interested in. So, again, for the pick five, I got I got to figure some things out, how I want to arrange it and things like, you know, who's an A, who's a backup. But I want to get alive to us there and pick threes. And, and maybe even with Tamara, maybe instead of the $20, maybe that is a straight play of, if it chalks out, I know a lot of people will go through and play those bets based on the probability, right? So let's just use, I was just talking about it, that turns into 101 proposition. All right, well, that's chalk over chalk over this horse. Even at 101, maybe I just play that combination for $100. So if I'm, if it goes chalk, chalk, and then you get a live to austere, you're alive for 10 grand. Do you play, you know, do you tier a number of different things? I know a lot of people don't even like austere, but that's the beauty of the Breeders' Cup. You've got horses that people will disagree on that are going to be great prices. You're going to get good numbers on some of these European horses. I think this lawn is actually kind of sneaky in here for D'Amato. I prefer her the way that she ran in the Eclipse last time over at Shanti where they were at the back of the pack and she came with a run as opposed to being close over the heavy going in the uh, pre du Calvados where she was forward, a little bit eager, kind of emptied out. I, I wonder if she's better coming from off the pace. I think she's sneaky. The Chad horse, I, I can already see it. Hard to justify is going to be the one that I sit here and go, Chad, you did it again. You beat me again. You beat me again. She feels pretty. I, I love her. I picked her in the Natalma. Better had a giant double into her. Um, you know, I, I think she makes all the sense in the world but I'm going to go with Austere, the 10, in the Juvenile Phillies turf. Now, the FanDuel Juvenile. We're going to price this whole thing out, but I'm only using two horses in here. One, the Wine Steward, 8-1. to one. Prince of Monaco, 6-1. to one. Wine Me Up, 9-1. to one. Timberlake, 9-1. to one. Locked, 4-1. to one. Cuban Thunder, 99-1. to one. General Partner, 25-1. to one. Fierceness, 25-1. to one. Muth four to one, noted fifteen to one. The two horses I'm using are the six locked and the ten Muth, and I'm picking Muth. I didn't love Muth going in to that American Pharaoh. The way he won that day, and knowing that I think he's going to only get better with distance, I just I like the trip. I like the fact that he proved he can sit and still have some run at the end. I I just I'm really intrigued by him. And locked, I think, is the most likely winner of the race. Ran a mile on an eighth and a mile in the 16th race at Keeneland. He was so much the best there, given the wide trip. I think he's going to be even better as a three-year-old. Uh, they're the only two that I'm using. Then it boils down to, am I going to use Muth as an A and Locked as a backup? So I can really press up that opinion. Or am I just going to use them both equally, as far as weighting is concerned, 
and just try to get through this race and get into the payoff leg of the pick five on Friday with race number nine, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Prices in order. Air Recruit, 12 to 1. River Tiber, 4 to 1. Tok Tok, 50 to 1. Can Group, 9 to 1. My Boy Prince, 15 to 1. Stay Hot, 50 to 1. Agate Road, 15 to 1. Unquestionable, 4 to 1. Endlessly, 12 to 1. Fulmineo, 50 to 1. Mountain Bear, 30 to 1. Grand Mo, the first, 50 to 1. Carson's Run, 8 to 1. The horses that I'm going to probably use in some version the 1, the 2, the 4, the 5, 8, and the 14. My pick is going to be Air Recruit, the 1. He's a little light on figs, but this is one of those things that I love to take a look at. When you go through the form of that race that he is coming out of, okay, that Laurel Futurity on September the 30th, I love the way he finished. I loved everything about it. Ideal trip, but he really powered home. Of the nine horses that have come back to run out of that Laurel Futurity, all nine of them either equaled or bettered their buyer in their next start. And the average move up was 11.3 points. So again, if all of a sudden we're looking at a high 70 here for this horse, on Thoroughgraph, they've got it more in line with that. On time form, they've got it more in line with that high 70. I just think Air Recruit is, is kind of interesting in this race. Um, he's certainly not the likeliest of winners. The Europeans have got a pretty strong hold on this one, specifically River Tiber and Unquestionable. Would not surprise me at all if they went 1-2. But Air Recruit, I think, is going to offer some value, and I think he can run. So he's another one I'm going to try to get alive to in pick threes. I'm going to use the two horses I mentioned in the juvenile in the race prior. And then in the juvenile Phillies turf, I'm going to use probably at least six of them and try to tear it a little bit. And maybe I don't play for as large a base bet because the reality is with their recruit, he is, I don't think he's as likely a winner as Austere is of the Philly race. And do I really want to take on a two-headed monster from O'Brien that I don't think are vulnerable. I think they're both logical win contenders. I think Can Group makes sense. He cooked home in the bourbon. He was really the only one making up significant ground. My boy Prince is better, I think, than the papers suggest. That summer, keep in mind, he finished second that day behind Carson's run. He had to go back to the paddock for a shoe repair for like 15 minutes. He still went out there and ran a big race. So I, I could see a, a handful of these horses running big races in this spot or a spot like this. And it really just boils down to what kind of price are you getting? It's not a matter of accolades or credentials. Most of them have those. It's about price. I think I'm going to get it on air recruit. I made him 12s. I could see him going off 15. Maybe you get every bit of the 20. I think there's pace in this race, and I think he's going to be able to come with a nice finish. Now, again, it just boils down to how heavily do I want to weight those pick threes, hopefully to get alive to him. And then in the pick five, you know, am I going to go, I'm leaning toward one, two, four, eight for mains, and then five and 14 as backups, but that could certainly change. I have a little bit of time left to go through and sort of tweak the numbers a bit and, and draw some conclusions. But 
that's my assessment of the pick five, the Breeders' Cup pick five on Friday. We'll just quickly run through if you're looking for the air quotes picks again. In race five, the Juvenile Turf Sprint, I am on the 11 slider. In race six, the Juvenile Phillies, I am on the two Jody's Pride. In race seven, the Juvenile Phillies Turf, I am on the 10 Austere. Uh, race eight, the FanDuel Mile, excuse me, the FanDuel Juvenile, I am on the 10 Muth. And then the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, I am on the one Air Recruit. Let me know your thoughts about these five races because I would say I want to hear your opinions so I can use them to my advantage as well. Uh, is there anybody you love in these five races? Is there anybody you hate in these five races that you're not going to use at all? Let me know. Either DM me on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt, or beneath the video player on YouTube. That way, if you do it on YouTube, everybody gets to see, which is nice. Because then you can peacock a little bit when you're right. You just send it to me. You're doing me a solid, allowing me to kind of steal some of your opinions and use them to my advantage. You put it in the comments section beneath the YouTube player. Uh, look, everybody gets to take some information from there. Uh, really good day of racing. Saturday, there are a few races that I don't love. And I don't really have great opinions. Friday is where the majority of, I think these races could be very, very intriguing. And you might be able to get some prices, especially if you can get around a couple of the shorties, most specifically Tamara, but she is far and away the most likely winner of that juvenile Phillies. All right, this is going to wrap up the Breeders' Cup Friday preview. Again, thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, the whole nine. And don't forget to come back on Thursday, Thursday night, or I say Thursday. I'm going to record it Thursday night, the preview for Saturday. I'll probably have to go a little bit quicker than I did with these five races just because we've got a handful more on top of that. But same gist. I'm going to go through horses I'm trying to kind of build things around, offer up some values and some prices, and go on from there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to this feed, the In the Money podcast feed, all the other stuff. Can't explain to you how much it means to all of us that are involved within the money media. Until tomorrow, when we come back with the Saturday preview for the Breeders' Cup. This has been episode 178 of the Matt Bernier Show, wrapping up the preview for Breeders' Cup Friday 2023.